I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 16. On today's episode, we're going to run through the news. Then we're going to move on to who is the best young striker in the Premier League, a head-to-head between Lukaku and Hurricane Harry Kane. And then we're going to move on to a little bit of uh, Manchester United chat with uh, an- analysing Paul Pogba's uh, season so far. Then finish off with a little bit of Naby Keita and then round it up with a bit of Champions League previews. Anyway... Let's get this party started. Well, first up, let's go through the news. So Alexis Sanchez was benched for the big tie against Liverpool on Saturday evening. Reports coming out today that in fact he was benched because of a training ground bust-up where he walked out of a training session and then was confronted by teammates uh, later in the day. So was put on the bench because of that incident. An interesting one for Sanchez's attitude is been a bit poor with his teammates, you know, throwing his gloves off um, recently in the in a Premier League game, sulking, strutting around like, you know, he's the winner and the rest of them are losers. So it's been an interesting one for Sanchez and Wenger, rightly benching him. Moving on to other news, Chelsea's plans uh, for their new £500 million Stamford Bridge have been approved by Sadiq Khan, the London Mayor, um, increasing the capacity to around 60,000, which is good news for Chelsea, considering you know the bridge is just not big enough to uh, you know pull in pull in the fans and compete with the likes of you know Tottenham's new ground and Arsenal's. Obviously, the Emirates that's been now for a little bit of time. Over to China. China are, uh, are attempting to replicate La Masia with uh, Zhai, their, their president, championing the idea, wanting around 50,000 football schools by 2025. Big, big moves in the Chinese market. And then finishing off, BT have signed a £1.2 billion deal to show the Europa League and Champions League for the next three seasons. That's quite a good news for me. I've really enjoyed their coverage of the Champions League. And of course, the BT European Football Show is brilliant where they cover you know, La Liga, sorry, uh, Liga, um, the Bundesliga and so forth. So I'm pretty happy about that. I think they're, they're getting, starting to get the right balance of... Um, pundit and journalist so it's you know good news for me and good news for all football fans anyway let's move on to the first big topic of today and that is who is the better striker Lukaku or Harry Kane on Sunday uh, early afternoon about 1.30 Lukaku and Harry Kane both uh, you know took to the field Tottenham versus Everton in the Premier League before the game it was geared towards the battle of the two big strikers and at the end of it it finished with the battle with Harry Kane being the victor, scoring twice and giving Tottenham a 3-2 lead. 
But in terms of forwards, they are very different forwards. Harry Kane, more of a playmaking, um, I'd say more complete forward. And Lukaku, very much a geared up poacher. Lukaku's an interesting one in the last uh, four seasons, really blown up on the scene of English football. In terms of goals, only Kane and Aguero have scored more in that time frame. But what Lukaku is, he's sort of a poacher, but he's a modern day poacher. The old school poacher was more like someone like a Michael Owen, like a Filippo Inzaghi, a player that used his instincts uh, and his you know quick feet to bamboozle opposition defenders and then put the ball into the back of the net. And that, for me, what kind of is, that's what Lukaku is. You know, when you see Lukaku, you think he's more of a target man. You think he's more, you know, Everton are going to hit the ball up long to him. It's going to stick to him and he's going to bring others into play. For me, that is not Lukaku. Lukaku, very much a penalty box poacher. In terms of his goals this season in the Premier League, the majority have come inside the penalty area, either, you know, headers where he's got himself a little bit of space or, you know, simple finishes where he pulls out his trademark step over, bamboozles the defender and side foots the ball home. Lukaku for me this season is uh, sort of evolving his finishing. He's scored some, a number of wonderful one-touch finishes in the penalty area. I think that's how he slightly differs for Harry Kane. I'd say Harry Kane is more of a, um, a striker that will take a touch and then hit the shot. Lukaku more of a clinical one-touch finisher. In terms of what Harry Kane does very well, runs the channels very well. But he's more, for me, more of a creative goal scorer. You know, when the ball is at him, always in his mind is how to score. Whereas Lukaku, that sort of comes alive when he's in the penalty area, which is replicated by the amount of goals they've scored in the last four seasons from outside the box. Harry Kane scoring seven of them and Lukaku only three. Again, Harry Kane scored a wonderful goal that opened up the scoring at Whitehall Lane on Sunday. Picking up the ball from deep from Ben Davis, little shimmy inside and hitting a cracking shot from outside the area that beat Robles in the Everton goal. And that's what Harry Kane has that the Everton um, man doesn't have is that ability to hit the ball from range and find the target. He scored so many wonderful goals like that. You think of the goal he scored against Arsenal you know, pulling into the left channel. Wonderful curled shot from a tight angle that you'd never expect him to score from. And I think that's what you get from Harry Kane is that unpredictability when he's on the ball. In terms of his hold-up play, again, a lot better than Lukaku in terms of how he can bring players into play. You know, his relationship with Deli Alli. One of the reasons why Deli Alli scores so many goals is because Harry Kane is vacating that space. He sort of plays as a, a false nine in a way where he runs the channels or he drops deep to allow the likes of uh, Deli Alli to get ahead of him. And again, the uh, England international scoring, what, 15 goals already this season, which is brilliant. Going back to, to the strikers, again, Kane, more of that, you know, creative forward, leaking with teammates and so forth, and Lukaku being that um, goal scorer. In terms of using their weaker foot in the last four seasons, Lukaku trumps Harry Kane, with 30% of his goals coming from his weaker right foot compared to Kane's 19% of his goals that come from his weaker left foot. And I think that's what Lukaku does trump him in his goal scoring and in his finishing. In terms of um, the last four seasons, Kane leads Lukaku, 68 Premier League goals to 61 Premier League goals. But if we take away penalties, in fact, it flips it over and Lukaku has scored more goals than Harry Kane. That's 58 goals versus 57 games. In terms of playmaking and involving his teammates, I'd say Kane is better than Lukaku. But if we break it down and we look at his actual assists and chance, and chance creation, Lukaku comes up trumps. Again, in that last four-year period, Lukaku has created nearly 50 more chances than Harry Kane, 154 versus 106. And also in terms of assists, Lukaku has got 21 assists versus Kane's eight assists. I'd say they're slightly different in terms of those as well. I'd say Lukaku assist is more of a you know a little layoff, a, you know playing off the target man, maybe a you know. A 
ball to the back post, whereas Kane is involved in, in, in you know, moves more, usually one twos or one two threes, you know, with a third man runner. So they are very different strikers, but I'd say the battle of um, White Hart Lane on Sunday was won by Harry Kane. His two goals were fantastic. We spoke about his first goal and there was a lovely little bit uh, link up play with Christian Eriksen that really showcased Harry Kane's technique where he brought the ball down, a little kick up over the defender, one two with Eriksen and then a good save from Robles, but it was sort of showcased what Harry Kane has got over Lukaku and that is that all-round ability to create but also to to play moves and have that instinctive ability to bring a ball down bring another player into play and get slid through and is um you know the goal that arguably killed the tie off um his second goal really good play, press from Tottenham and I think that's something else that Harry Kane gives his team over Lukaku is that pressing is that ability to to join the press and close it down and be you know a, sort of aware to nick a ball and put the ball into the back of the net. But it was quite interesting. It was on Morgan Schneiderlin, the Tottenham press came on. It's something that highlighted why Morgan Schneiderlin never worked at Manchester United because he was um, not press resistant deep in his own midfield and, and he put uh, him under pressure, usually doesn't make the right decision. And again, giving the ball away for the goal. But finally finishing off Lukaku's goal, a classic Lukaku goal, but a very individual bit of play. You know, brought the ball down, few touches, puts the ball into the back of net. No, capitalising on a mistake from Tottenham. But in terms of his work rate, doesn't give you enough um, defensive work. In terms of which striker would suit your side, I think it's a personal preference thing. Um, you get Lukaku's goals, clinical poaching, or Harry Kane's lovely build-up play. If I was Manchester United, for example, uh, next season, uh, if we're bringing in Antoine Griezmann in the summer, I think Harry Kane would be a better, um, better suited to Manchester United in terms of what he could do to bring Antoine Griezmann in to you know to link with the likes of Henrik Mkhitaryan, Juan Mata, Anthony Martial. I think it'd be a better fit for United signing Harry Kane. But Lukaku wouldn't be a bad option. It's quite similar to Mourinho-esque strikers. You see how clinical Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been in the Premier League this season, not against Bournemouth, but in other games. Uh, you know, the one-touches, the finishes and so forth. That is quite Lukaku-esque, similar to Diego Melito. Lukaku is quite like a, a Diego Melito-type striker, in a way. So potentially could suit Mourinho in different ways. Um, in terms of who I'd sign if I was a Premier League club, you know, going in for Lukaku, the likes of Chelsea would be perfect. The likes of Arsenal, that would be absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, playing behind someone like Mesut Ozil would be getting loads of assists behind Lukaku, but obviously a year left on Mesut's deal. Potentially he's out the door too, so it's worrying times for Arsenal. But again, Lukaku would be a great signing. Think of Real, what Real Madrid are doing this season. A lot of crosses into the penalty area. Lukaku would instantly go in there and fit in there. You know, Bayern Munich would probably fit in perfectly as well, someone like Juventus. So these two strikers... Just credit to the Premier League right now. Both 23 years old, but arguably two of the best strikers this season in the Premier League. Top two there, obviously Harry Kane, 19 goals in the Premier League. Lukaku is 17. But in terms of my personal preference, I'm a Harry Kane man. Hurricane Harry for me. Lukaku, bench the lad. Anyway, moving on to uh, some more chat. Let's talk Paul Pogba and his season this year. Because against Bournemouth, it was so frustrating. And that last 20 minutes, something that I, I've touched on in my three talking points, go and check that out. It'll probably be available on Monday evening. It was poor. His decisions in the last 20 minutes of that game cost United the points. He was very, very poor in a ball-playing sense. Mourinho's substitutions were suspect, bringing Omar Arnflaney next to Paul Pogba, which meant that Paul Pogba had a lot of responsibility in playmaking and he was making the wrong decision. When you're playing against 10 men, you want to move them from left to right. You want to move them from side to side. You want to create, you know, want to create overlaps with your fullbacks to open up space in the middle. If you pull a team that is defending deep, defending narrow, ha that has a less man out wide, you're opening up space into the middle. And unfortunately, Paul Pogba didn't do that. He didn't move the Bournemouth shape. It's happened other times in the Premier League this season. You think of the Diamond United played against Liverpool, where Michael Carrick was suffocated by the Diamond and Paul Pogba should have been that guy to be moving the ball to left to right. 
In terms of his pass selection, it was just all wrong. He was looking for balls over the top um, before Marouan Flaney was moved up top. Uh, to Zlatan and, and to Anthony Martial coming in and making sort of a, a band of four in the middle. And it was just wrong. Paul Pogba should have slowed himself down, moved the ball to Antonio Valencia, moved the ball to um, Anthony Martial on the left-hand side. The more frustrating thing came a little bit later on, I think 84th minute, uh, when Marouane Fellaini came on, came in the middle. Paul Pogba was looking to balls to Marouane Fellaini's feet, not his strength. So Paul Pogba just got it all wrong against Bournemouth. He's got it all wrong in a few games this season. You think of the Everton game where he was completely man-marked and Jesse Guy did a job on him. Paul Pogba just couldn't shake him. Again, I spoke then about the three talking points there, how he needed to evolve himself in terms of if he's getting directly marked, push yourself further up the pitch to open up space for your uh, midfield teammates. That that afternoon, it was Ander Herrera and Michael Carrick. Uh, you think of the game, the EFL Cup final, a little bit anon- anonymous in that final, getting massively outshadowed in central midfield by his partner, Ander Herrera. And of course, um, the games where he has been poor, um, there, there's slightly like technical issues that he can improve or decision-making issues that he'll improve with age. But overall, I think he's had a pretty decent season. We talk about the game against Swansea City. He scored the opener in that game, but pretty much ran the show. An interesting formation from United, more of a you know a narrow system with a midfield three, two attacker midfielders and a striker. Suited Paul Pogba, gave him that freedom to get onto that left-hand side and to get crossed into the box. A big strength of Paul Pogba. I want to see him doing what, doing those, you know, pulling out, drifting from central midfield to those like wide areas and crossing a little bit more. Sort of and Alhanda Herrera got the assist in the FL Cup final. I want to see Paul Pogba doing that more because he has the ability to do that. A few times he's whipped balls in for Zlatan Irunovic um, in some of these games that Manchester United should have won, uh, you know, 5-1, 4-1, but they ended up 1-1. And it was just brilliant whipped in balls from Paul Pogba at the left-hand side. I want to see more of that because his best games he's done that. Of the great games he's played, think of the game against Crystal Palace, that wonderful individual skill assist that he did where he brought the ball in, completely destroyed the uh, Crystal Palace defender, slid Latan down the channel and a fantastic finish from the big Swede. And then Watford in the 4-2-3-1 in recent weeks, the 2-0 win where United played Henrik Mkhitaryan at attacking midfield and Paul Pogba just got through the game, got through his dirty work and wasn't in the game in terms of he didn't create a big chance but he did everything right as a central midfielder got his pass selection right defended right made some brilliant tackles in the penalty area and a good performance from Pogba in terms of the stats let's look at the stats to compare him against his uh, you know midfield uh, players in the Premier League central midfielders in the Premier League in terms of the flat stats first goals and assists Paul Pogba four goals and three assists in the Premier League this year not too bad not, not that bad a return um, and if you consider where he came alive uh, for Juventus that was in from March to the end of the season he registered um, three goals and got seven assists so it's not too bad you know if he builds on that ten assists in the Premier League maybe over you know seven eight goals would be a good return from Paul Pogba from central midfield in terms of EPL, let's talk uh, central midfielders and let's rank Paul Pogba with the playmaking stats, the stats you want to see from your central midfielders. First up in terms of passes, only Jordan Henderson has completed more passes in the Premier League. But if we break that down and evaluate what those passes are, it gives you a better indication of what Paul Pogba's doing well. So if we break that down just to forward passes, so passes from uh, that Paul Pogba is playing forward into, you know, into the opposition's half or to a teammate um, ahead of him, only again Jordan Henderson has completed more. But if we dive even a little bit deeper into those numbers Paul Pogba has completed more forward passes in the opposition's half than Jordan Henderson so where Paul Pogba is completing these passes are in better areas are in more difficult areas to find that uh, forward passes so you could argue that Paul Pogba in terms of using the passes 
completing passes, Paul Pogba is the best central midfielder in the Premier League this season. In terms of where he is, again, the most passes in the uh, opposition's half than any central midfielder in the Premier League. In terms of chance creation, he's only ranked behind David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. Two players are, that have played attacking midfield and have played on the left-hand side and the right-hand side for Manchester City. So Paul Pogba is doing well there. He's created 50 chances, of course, with those three assists. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Arguably could be on eight assists, nine assists, ten assists. If Zlatan Ibrahimovic could finish sometimes. Sometimes he has great games in front of goal. Other times he doesn't. In terms of uh, winning aerial duels, Paul Pogba as a central midfielder, as a midfielder, in fact, ranked number one. Similar with his uh, dribbles in terms of his take-ons and in terms of suffering fouls, you know, drawing those fouls in that uh, in wherever, in the defensive third, in the attacking third, all over the pitch. Maybe that's something that Paul Pogba could improve on is taking those fouls. Uh, again, it comes back to that tempo, pass selection, if he can move the ball a little bit quicker and not suffer the foul. In terms of things, three things I'd like to see Paul Pogba improve on into the end of the season. First up is his 1v1 finishing. There's a few times this season where he's had 1v1s and he's missed them. Again, the game against Bournemouth. A crucial moment, a great counter-attack from Manchester United from within their own penalty area, getting into the Bournemouth box. You know, not the not the worst finish in the world, but it was saved by the keeper. Again, Paul Pogba needs to be more clinical there. You know, mix it up. Potentially, you know, he has a slight weakness on his left foot. That would he could disguise the left foot shot, pull it to the right hand side, but it's, he needs a little bit more composure in those those areas because again he had a big opportunity to give United the lead and missed it. So one v one finishing 100% should improve for Paul Pogba. Would give him you know the more goals United win games. Simple as that. In terms of his decision making, another big thing that I want to see in these last two three months of the season, I want to see his decision making improve. When to dribble, when to take someone on, when's the right time to move the ball quickly, when's the direct ball on, when shall I quick the tempo. When do I need to slow the tempo down? Because I think he's not been doing, he's not done that too well this season. There's moments where he's he slows the play down when he should speed it up, and then there's moments where he speed it up when he slows down. You know, I'm talking games, game management. When United are leading, 
of course, slow the play down. Play those one-two passes. Slow it down deep in midfield. But United get caught out against defenders that sit deep when it's too slow in midfield, when they're chasing a game or so forth. There's too many passes there, too many touches. And Paul Pogba's one of the players that usually is taking those touches, needs to improve that. In terms of his direct passing, he has a wonderful range of passing. I want to see him switch the ball more. I want to see him play the direct passes, not all the time, but at the right time. We saw against Bournemouth, mentioned before, the poor selection there. It needs to be better at that. There always is moments when that ball over the top is on, but it's not on every single day of the week. And he needs to start to get that. You know, he needs to start of controlling games better, controlling the tempo better with that selection of passes. And finally, his defensive play. Paul Pop has complete, um, committed more fouls than any other midfielder in the Premier League apart from Victor Wanyama. Victor Wanyama is a destroyer. Paul Pogba is not a destroyer. He, I think it's in terms of his tackling. He needs to win more tackles. His tackle completion is around, tackle win rate sorry, is around 30-odd percent this, this season. That needs to be a bit better. He needs to win more tackles in their defensive third. He can do. He's got great. He's got long legs, which gives him a massive advantage. He has strength. He has power. So he has, he has all the raw components to you know, be better at winning the ball over in his own defensive third. I think Paul Pogba needs to do that at the end of the season. In terms of interception as well, positionally needs to be a bit better. But I think that will come with playing in a 4-2-3-1 over playing in a 4-3-3. In a 4-3-3, his defensive responsibilities aren't there. The more United play a 4-2-3-1, the more they get used to it with obviously the potential signing of Antoine Griezmann. They need to go that way. Uh, Paul Pogba will be better at that. But a young player, 23 years old again, these little criticisms will come good. And Paul Pogba will be one of the best central midfielders in world football with Thiago Alcantara if he improves these slight things. Control of the game, defensive play and his 1v1 finishing. Then we have a complete footballer. He's had his good games, he's had his bad games and I expect we see a lot more good games in the back end of this season. Some big moments I expect Paul Pogba in the Europa League and in the FA Cup. But anyway guys, that has been enough of Paul Pogba chat for this week. I hope you've enjoyed that little section. So before we go into the uh, Champions League previews, we're going to touch on a little bit of Leipzig. We're going to go back over to Eastern Germany. Why, you ask, Dave? Why? Because, listeners, watchers, Leipzig currently possess a player with world-class potential. No, I'm not talking Timo Werner. I'm not talking Emil Forsberg. I'm not talking Willy Oban. I'm talking Naby Keita. What a talent. This guy can do it all. Similar to how Paul Pogba is so complete, Naby Keita has the potential to be a complete central midfielder. In terms of what he does uh, for this Leipzig team, is he can do everything. Can play make, can win tackles, can dribble past opponents, can make interceptions. He just has the complete bag of tricks. Leipzig played on Friday night. And it was an interesting game, Leipzig versus Augsburg. Augsburg have been in pretty average form this season in the Bundesliga. Leipzig, of course, second in the league. They had this uh, game before Bayern to squeeze a bit more pressure on. In fact, they didn't win the game. They drew it two goals apiece. Uh, and it was unfortunate. Leipzig actually, in fact, have moved to a 4-3-3 after use of Paulson's injury uh, with Naby Keita playing in central midfield with Ilsanka and uh, Demi. Quite a good midfield. Demi and Neil Sanka are very aggressive, ball-winning players. So it does put a lot of playmaking responsibility on Naby Keita, but he's done that very, very well. Go back to the game last week, I think he grabbed himself two assists, put the ball across for the uh, own goal as well. Uh, Leipzig winning that game, three goals to one. But against um, Augsburg, he was brilliant in his fantastic best. Taking players on, getting assists, making things happen. And the first moment that we want to talk about is his assist. It was just a brilliant bit of play, a brilliant, a fantastic through ball to one of the one of Germany's most informed strikers now, Timo Werner, who in fact has scored more goals than any player under 21 in Europe's top five leagues. But it was a great bit of individual play in the final third. Received the ball, fantastic turn, beat his man, got his head up, played a through ball. He's sort of that modern playmaker from a central area, but it 
but such good body control, such good body, body balance to spin out of a tackle, drift past the opponent, and then play that through ball through to Timo Werner to score. In fact, Naby Keita has registered more assists than any other player in the Bundesliga in 2017. And we're really starting to see him come alive in this system. Because he has that free role from central midfield, he can drift wherever he wants. He pops up in spaces on the left-hand side, right-hand side, attacking midfield, you know, deep in midfield. Really difficult for Augsburg to, to deal with his movement, to deal with his close control. And in the first 45 minutes, he was absolutely fantastic. Completely controlled the show. I loved his... Um, he has that vision. He's always looking. Whether it's Sabitzer, Werner, um, Feuchberg getting ahead of him, he's always looking for that. There were some wonderful attempted through balls in that first half, some wonderful um, first-time passes, you know, sitting at number 10, just sitting outside the area. Werner made a little run inside, first touch intercepted, but the vision to play that pass. And it's an interesting one. As a playmaker, it's all high-octane. It's all that high-percentage pass. And in terms of pass completion uh, in the final third, it was around 50%. So I think there was 25 passes in the final third, um, and he completed uh, half of, or just under half with 12, 12 of those passes completed, or maybe 13 of those passes completed. But I don't think that's too bad. For a playmaker in this system, um, with so many runners in behind, you, you know, you complete one of those passes, you've slipped your teammate through. Naby Keita has that vision to find that pass. You look at his game by numbers, absolutely fantastic. So, you know, the one assist, two key passes, 10 dribbles, 20 25 uh, passes in that final third and he completed 60% of those dribbles and that just shows how good he is at how good his close control and his agility to slip past the tackle and dribble past an opponent and he is going to be the next big thing in Europe 100% this guy has got it all he can tackle that's one of his you know he, he tackles like Kante he's so aggressive he sort of gets to his opponent wins the ball back moves it and it I just, you know, I can't talk about how much potential this fella has. He's going to play for one of the big big dogs in Europe in the next few seasons, be it someone like Bayern Munich, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona. He just has all everything. You know, we've seen some of the long shots he scored this season, some of the late runs into the penalty area. He's a top-class roaming playmaker, but will become one of the most complete midfielders in Europe. So, if you haven't seen Leipzig this season, go and watch Naby Keita. He's just a great. He's a fun player to watch. I think that's one of the things I can appreciate. Is a, is a fun player. I like finding teams that play good styles of football, but they have these fun players. Naby Keita is a real fun player to watch. So make sure you go and check him out. But unfortunately, Leipzig uh, dropping another one of the two points. Bayern Munich obviously won. They beat uh, beat Cologne at the weekend, uh, which will nicely move us on to the Champions League previews. Arsenal versus Bayern Munich. Let's talk about that first. The game. Um, the first leg finished 5-1 to Bayern Munich, an absolute destruction over in Bavaria. A game where Arsenal had a little bit of a phase of play in that first half where they looked like they could get something out of it. They had th uh, two big chances, Granit Xhaka, Mesut Ozil with a 1v1 saved by Manuel Neuer. Then Bayern Munich and Thiago took control. Thiago's a player this season that's evolved his game as well. You know, top, top talent in European football. Now he's finally becoming that full playmaker. Bayern Munich system this season breaks down at a 4 2 one three. It's quite interesting how the two defensive midfielders give the back four great protection in Xabi Alonso and Vidal. Thiago plays as a hybrid number ten from central midfield, and then the front three: Ribery, Robin, Thomas Muller, uh, Lewandowski, whoever you want to throw in there. But I think Thiago's link-up play with those forward players has been fantastic in recent weeks. In fact, he played slightly deeper against Cologne uh, with Thomas Muller as the number ten. But what was so crucial was uh, how Thiago controlled the game from that deeper position. Um, you know, you go to the third goal where he picked up in midfield, uh, slipped past the tackle, played a forward pass out wide to uh, Bernat, who, uh, you know, won the full overlap, link up with uh, Frank Ribéry, goal time. But it was that 
ability to dictate and to find the you know as a teammate in an attacking area as well. Thomas Muller gives this buying team a great variation when they're going forward. You can either go with Thiago playing as that you know number ten central midfielder, or if you wanted to go a little bit more attacking, rotate it round. Uh, Thiago comes into central midfield. Muller comes in. In fact, Muller's gone under the radar in terms of assists in the Bundesliga this season with Emil Forsberg, the only player to register more assists than the German international, the Randeuter, and that's what he does so well in that position. His best goal scoring year came in Louis van Gaal's. Um, Bayern Munich team that got to the Champions League final played as a second striker and I quite like Thomas Muller there and again it gives Ancelotti another piece another thing you know another chess piece in his system I fully expect Ancelotti though to go to revert back to the Vidal uh, Alonso Thiago midfield that we saw in the first leg because it was so destructive and so good and, and Thiago's goal scoring was was absolutely awesome you know the late runs into the box the link up play it was just fantastic and I fully expect unfortunately Bayern to destroy Arsenal again uh, after they beating Cologne. Cologne, in fact, hadn't lost at home in 11 months. So it was a big, big result for Bayern Munich in the title race to win the Bundesliga. And it's pretty much game over there, I would say, right now. In terms of Arsenal, obviously Alexis Sanchez was, was dropped um, at the weekend, was benched. Maybe he'll come back into the fray. He has to. This the Arsenal team against Liverpool were, were too, you know, weren't good enough going forward. Danny Welbeck had a pretty good game. Scored a very, very good goal. I liked his runs in behind. But Giroud, it will be. You need a bit more to beat this Bayern Munich team. And if Sanchez doesn't play, it'll be a massive mistake from Arsene Wenger. So I'm going to go score prediction wise. Bayern Munich to win the game. Three two. I'm gonna go three two to Bayern Munich. Anyway, on to the other game of Tuesday evening, and it's Real Madrid versus Napoli over in Naples. First start, the first game was was a really open affair. Arguably, could have been three all. Mertens missing a big chance. Hamzik missing a big chance. What Real Madrid have done in recent weeks is they've, you know, continued their impressive um, sort of form under Zidane, but they've been leaking goals. Uh, you know, before the game at the weekend, they conceded five goals in the last two games. A bit better at the weekend, but it's still a bit leaky. And there's space to exploit behind these fullbacks to get forward a little bit too much um, for Zidane. A lot of their attacking play comes through Marcelo and Carvajal, but there's space to exploit in behind. And if there's a guy that can exploit that, exploit that space, it's Insignia, who's been fantastic in recent weeks. Uh, created the goal for the winner at the weekend, Napoli beating Roma. Two goals to one. Uh, a fantastic ball to the back post for Dries Mertens to finish away. And that's someone that needs to sort of step up in this game. I thought he was a bit anonymous in the first game. Dries Mertens missed his big chance. Um, was very good against Roma. Grabbed two goals. Grabbed the better brace for himself, giving them the win. But needs to be a bit more alive against Real Madrid because he could arguably cause a lot of problems for Real Madrid if he drops off, picks up the ball, looks ahead for Insignia and for Callion on the other side. Because I think that's going to be a big, big place to for um, Napoli to attack Real Madrid is behind those fullbacks. In terms of Real Madrid, they rested Ronaldo at the weekend and won the game. Uh, Gareth Bale was suspended following his red card against Las Palmas, so those two are going to be fresh. Something that I mentioned in the, the first uh, leg, Ronaldo back to being a bit of a playmaker, created five chances more than any other player in the first knockout stages of the Champions League, but he created three big chances, got one assist and two missed chances. One of them for Benzema and I think the other one for Marcelo. Another big thing that Real Madrid have, the big selection thing for Zinedine Zidane, is it to go to Morata or go to Benzema? I'd say definitely go Morata. This crossing style that Real Madrid have adopted in, in the last six months, well, it suits Morata more. More of a goal scorer than Karim Benzema, who's more of a false nine. Benzema, finishing has been a bit wayward in recent weeks. It obviously scored at the weekend, but it's not been the great. I think Morata is an upgrade there. This game, it's going to be a blinder. This, I think this is the only one that I can see being overturned 
from the previous day. Of course, apart from Borussia Dortmund that should beat Benfica, which we'll speak about tomorrow. But I think this is going to be a real test for this Real Madrid team. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three-two, Napoli, but Real Madrid to go through on aggregate. Anyway, guys. Get your score predictions to me. It's tweet me at StatmanDave on Twitter or get into the comments below if you are watching on YouTube. And that has been that for today. Make sure to write a review on iTunes if you've not. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and get ready for tomorrow where we're going to be talking some more transfer gossip. As well, if you want to tweet me or comment on YouTube, any transfer gossip that you want me to talk about. Uh, a player going to your club, how they fit in and so forth. But anyway, Statman Dave, over and out. See you later. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 